on the cancer journey, sometimes you need a guide to help you get to the other side. Talia Dindy will help us do just that on episode 19 of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast. Hello, my friend, Dr. Brad Miller here. And after a 43-year career in ministry, I needed to guide myself as I was diagnosed with cancer, and I just had to laugh to keep from crying. I reached out to some people, and they helped guide me through it, and part of the process was laughter and humor. So I created the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, combining my ministry experience, my doctoral degree in transformational leadership, and my willingness to help you to find a way to cope with hope. I've done it for others, and we can do it together. If you're ready for a guide to help you through and over the cancer divide, listen on, my friend. Listen on. Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Hey there, Lifter Uppers. I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we crush cancer with stories of healing through hope and humor. Something we like to call turning the grim into a grin. It is so cool that you made it here today, and we've got a moving story for you. So let's get to it. Here is the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller. Hey, thank you, Deb. Appreciate you so much. This is the podcast here on Cancer and Comedy, where we look to turn, as you said, the grim into of cancer into the grin of celebrating life, turning sorrow into smiles, as it were. So we just like to help you if you're dealing with depression or sadness, if you've been impacted by cancer in some way or some other devastating disease, uh, we like to think that we could be helpful to you. We have a free course, which is called Healing Through Hope and Humor, and we've made that available to you. It's just 15 minutes or so a day, an audio course for five days. It'll help you cope with hope, and you can find that at cancerandcomedy.com slash free. It's all about for us as seeing cheerfulness as good medicine. But Deb, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a corn maze? You, you know what a corn maze is? I do, I do, and I've never been to one. You've never been to a corn maze? Oh, no. my goodness. Well, I see, if I recall correctly, you grew up in Colorado. Is that right? Or, yeah, uh, we didn't what? really have a lot of corn where I grew well, up. Well, and yeah, that's where I live. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of corn. Oh, I mean, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of corn. I live in Indiana, and uh, one of the cool things they do every fall is they have these places that pop up that have, oh, some places have, you know, pumpkins and all that mm -hmm. kind of good stuff. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them have these things called corn mazes right. designed by a farmer, and they usually uh, provide a way for people to go in a maze and have some fun walking around inside this maze that's cut out of the corn. Right. And it's a lot of fun and that kind of thing. And people get lost and have fun uh, doing it. But there is a, there's a bit of a danger, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a caveat when you go mm -hmm. to the, the corn maze. You see, everybody has to be aware. It's important that you do not tell any secrets in a corn maze. Why not? 
Well, when you're in a corn maze, there's ears all around you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that one. It just had to be said. So Had to be said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Deb, today on Cancer and Comedy, uh, we are going to be talking about process and about navigating the cancer journey with somebody else, with another person who has gone through cancer themselves or gone through some bad thing themselves, and they can be helpful to us. They can be a guide to help the journey be a uh, a joyful or a positive experience or one that's productive rather than just going through some something devastating alone uh, in your life, as uh, cancer can be. And so, Deb, I just want to ask you, was there dealt with cancer and other health issues? Was there any person or any maybe organization, perhaps, or program that helped you in dealing with or navigating cancer? I think probably one of the first things that we do tend to turn to are our friends and people we know who have had cancer. Ask them, what was it like? What can we expect? But that gets a little bit tricky because depending on when they had cancer or what type of cancer it is, it can be very different from what we're, we're going to be going through. Um, I did find that my doctors were really pretty good sources of information. And, uh, you know, I know that our guest today is, is going to talk a little bit about that. But it is so important that you do reach out and have whoever you need help, you know, whether it's clergy, whether it's support groups you know, people like that, because we hear the word cancer and our brains shut off. And so we need to have someone help us with the processes and, and things like that to, to make sure that, that we kind of are, are going through this in a way that is helpful for us. When you first get the diagnosis of cancer, first get that phone call, whatever it is, it sends you reeling. It kind of knocks you back in your heels, knocks the breath out of you. There's lots of metaphors we could use there. Mm -hmm. You need a moment to recover. Right. But then you also, it's helpful to have the voice of experience to help you to navigate mm -hmm. that. I know that for me, uh, I had uh, prostate cancer and I turned to a couple of friends of mine who I knew from our just friendship that they had dealt with prostate cancer. And so we had some good talks about it and mm -hmm. I sought them out You know, I said, okay, let's go have a beer and let's talk about mm -hmm. this. And we're going to, we're not going to today. We're not really talking about sports or, you know, anything else that we usually talk about. We're going to talk about this. And these friends of mine were very good about that. And they, they shared about their own personal experiences and how it impacted their health and their family and their life and their spiritual life and their right. emotional health, welfare mm -hmm. and their relationships with their spouses and all kinds of things like that. And I found it to be very helpful mm -hmm. in an informal way. Right. And so that's, that's um, a, a good thing. And we're talking about here today as someone who kind of has formalized or put a framework on what I would call what you and I are kind of describing more, a little more of an informal deal. Of course, you're talking to the doctors too, is more of a uh, precisely about the medical aspects of it. But our, our guest today is a cancer doula. Help us unpack what she talked about there a little bit about being a cancer doula. Right. Well, that's that's a, a kind of a unique term. Uh, we don't really think of a doula as helping in cancer, but she helps people bridge the gap between emotional and medical and really helps them feel like they're a person and not just a patient. What she talks about, because it really is a journey. And as she talks about, it's a journey to the other side. Mm. Well, indeed. And our guest today, her name is Talia Dindy. 
And she indeed is a cancer doula. And as we go along, we're going to unpack that term just a little bit more because oftentimes we hear, hear the term doula used in terms of like childbirth and sometimes end of life issues. And I, for one, uh, this was really uh, the, the introduction to me of doula mm-hmm. as a person that can be helpful in, in cancer. Right. But it's, a, it's important in this case, I think, because she's really her, she's all about the whole process of navigating cancer. In fact, she has a podcast called Navigating Cancer Together. And I was privileged to be a guest on her podcast. And she also uh, authored a book, I Survived Cancer, and Here's How I Did It. And I love that because it's just real point by point, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Right. This is how mm-hmm. I did it. She, uh, her website is on the other side dot life. And so, Deb, what were some of your other impressions? You were able to, uh, Listen in the conversation that Tilly and I had. Give me a few of your impressions about her. Well, you know, she is a wonderful young woman who was, you know, thrust into this, you know, not knowing what to do. And it was so interesting to hear her talk about the process that she went through to deal with this. And I really loved what she did because one of the things that she talks about is that you know you have to take time to pause, kind of get your feet under you before going to Google, before you know, setting up all your appointments, before doing all of those things and taking that time to really stop and think, okay, now what? And, and I love that she really does talk about something that we talk about so much on the program is advocating for yourself. taking charge. Her interview is just a great interview and I know everyone is going to love it. She has a real tender uh, approach, soft-spoken approach in a ways. I call it, uh, people like her oftentimes, I call them people who are tender and tenacious. That Mm -hmm. means that uh, she has a real soft-spoken way better, but she is a get-it-done woman Mm -hmm. and she took that time to recalibrate her life and then to get after what am I going to do about this? Mm -hmm. And uh, another aspect of her story, which I thought was really good is that she also reconnected with her family and she, Mm -hmm. uh, with her, with her mother and her brother, particularly, and they already, they already had good relationships, but this took it to another level, including sharing uh, good times and uplifting stories Mm -hmm. and laughs and things like that. And she uh, talked a little bit about how, you know, uh, like Richard Pryor and other funny movies were helpful to her get her mm-hmm. uh, uplifted. And what she helps us to do is understand that not only do you not have to go through this alone, but you can work a process to get through to the other side. Following the interview with Talea, you're going to want to stick around for Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day. And of course, our Faith It or Break It segment and our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you can be part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story, Crushing Cancer with Hope and Humor, by going to cancerandcomedy.com, voice message, and telling your story. Today we have Talia Dendy with us. She is a cancer doula, a cancer thriver, a cancer health equity consultant, a mental health first aider, and a podcaster. She has dedicated her career to advocating for, guiding, supporting, and empowering people diagnosed with cancer. She is the founder and CEO of the On the Other Side LLC, which is a cancer navigation enterprise, and she provides support using patient-centered and a holistic approach. She has the podcast, Navigating Cancer Together, and the book, I Survived Cancer, and here is how I did it 
You can find her at the website on the other side.life. And I know her to be an incredibly tremendous person. Talia Dendy, welcome to our podcast here on Cancer Comedy today. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk with you again. I'm so excited for our conversation this evening. I was privileged to be a part of your podcast, Navigating Cancer Together, here recently. What you had to share had to be a part of what we share here on our cancer and comedy, to our cancer and comedy audience. And Talia, but here's what I want to ask you. What is something recently that put a smile on your face? Oh, wow. I'll keep it very simple. Today, I actually was going to not go for a walk. And that was because I was just woke up feeling a little tired and was just, I don't really feel like it. Now I'm an avid walker. I try to walk at least four or five times a week and I walk fast. I'm a power walker, but my body was saying, you can still go for a walk. Just slow down the pace, take your time. It's okay. So thankfully I listened and I was able to really take in the beautiful fall colors here in Minnesota with the changing leaves and just hearing the birds, the sun was shining, just taking my time, clearing my mind, taking in the beautiful fall colors, connecting with nature. That is something that really brought me joy and peace today. And it's actually what I needed. And it was one of the best walks that I've had in a very long time. You were listening to a bit of the positive side and the energetic side and the side that says, okay, go forth and do something that's going to be productive rather than whatever the other messages were, other things like guilt or whatever it would be. You did this and it brought you joy in your life. And I love to talk about that in our podcast here, Cancer and Comedy, because we deal with some pretty serious things in life and you have had some transitions in your life based on your health journey. We're going along pretty good in your life when things changed, didn't they? They changed big time, Dr. Miller. And I went to my primary care doctor because I had noticed a small lump on my neck. And I was a little concerned because at that time it wasn't hard or big or anything, but it was new. So I'm wondering, I'm like, hmm, what's going on with this? So she didn't really seem bothered by it or, at all. She didn't ask any questions. She didn't touch it. She's just, oh, don't worry about it. You work out a lot. It's probably a pulled muscle. Fast forward to 2011. That pulled muscle was now a big lump, a mm. hard lump. So I shared with my mom that I had this lump. It had been there for a while. And I was just concerned in a way by how that previous doctor just really didn't look into it. Mm -hmm. So she suggested that I go to her doctor and her doctor's response was totally different. Mm. She touched it. She looked at it and she asked a series of questions. Once she touched it, I could tell that there was something wrong. Just, by, whole, just by the way the doctor touched it and maybe her countenance or Things like that nature. Okay. Yes. After she touched it, her countenance told it all. Okay. And I didn't think it was cancer though. So she said immediately, I need for you within the next couple of days to go in for an ultrasound. That came back inconclusive. So had to do another exam. 
This time it was a fine needle aspiration and that is where they take a small sample size of tissue and cells in that area. That came back inconclusive because supposedly the sample size that they got was not big enough. Mm. Okay, now it's time for a partial biopsy of that lymph node. Do that. And finally, I would say about three to four days later, on my way home from work on a Friday, I get a call from the nurse. And she says, I regret to inform you that the, your test results came back and you have Hodgkin's lymphoma and everything stood still. Everything was as quiet as it's ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I sat there and I said, what? And she said, oh, the results came back and you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. I said, what is that? Mm. So she said, it's a form of cancer. And when she said cancer. That's when it dropped, didn't it? Wow. That's when it, it got real then. And yeah. so I had all these questions. So I just fought, started firing off all these questions. Before you go into that too far, I want to, I, I like to ask this question sometimes for people when they have this moment, uh, when things stood still, like time stood still, do you have an image here, Talia, of what that meant for you? Can you see where you're at? Can you see the time of day? Can Or what are some details about that moment? Oh, yeah. So give me, set the scene for me. Yes. How that worked. The scene looks like this. It is a spring day, about 4.30 in the evening. The sun is shining, spring evening in April. The seasons are changing. We're coming out of that cold weather here in Minnesota and just enjoying the ride home. The sun is shining. It's not cold. It's not hot, but it's just right. Driving along and I get this call. And everything just stood still. And once she shared with me the diagnosis, I started firing off all these questions. Mm. And she stopped me and she said, honey, I'm so sorry. I know you're scared, but you're asking questions that I simply cannot answer. She said, but I will tell you that my husband had Hodgkin's lymphoma years ago and he's doing fine today. Okay. Of course, that really didn't help me a whole lot because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what that meant for me. Sure. And so I was, of course, shaken up. I was so shaken up. I pulled over. There's a TJ Maxx that I used to pass every day going okay. and coming from work. Parked my car in the parking lot of TJ Maxx, went inside of TJ Maxx, and I just walked around the store. I wasn't mm. looking for anything. You weren't shopping or buying. You were just processing, huh? I was okay. processing. And I knew there were no answers for me in TJ Maxx, but I knew that I had to calm myself mm -hmm. to be able to get home and figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. So I walked around for about 30 minutes or so, gathered myself, made it home, called my family, let them know what I had, the news I had received. And of course, they had all these questions. Of course. So I had to pause them the way the nurse paused me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I understand that you have questions. You might even be afraid. I'm definitely afraid. I have so many questions. I don't have any answers right now. 
And I won't know anything else until I talk with the cancer center next week. So one thing I did for myself was I asked for space. And I said to my family, if you don't mind, please just give me this weekend to myself. And let me just really sit with what I've heard, Mm -hmm. this news that I've received. And I didn't know what I was doing at that time. I just knew what God told me to do and what God told me to ask for. Now that I look back, I knew exactly why he put that inside of me. And so I asked for that. Why he put that inside of you mean that pause is what you're talking about? That time to pause? Yes, that time to pause. Time to quiet. for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that hard for your family, by the way? Or were they wanting... You know, was was it hard for them to hold back? Because of course they want to love on you, but they want to know what's going on, how they can help. What? But I didn't know what I needed at that time. Of course, I just knew that I needed space, and I knew that I needed to start to process and work with what I had received, and try to figure out what that meant for my life in that moment. There's a lot of people when they get news. There's variations of reactions of shock, denial, depression. When you start the processing part, what kind of things were going on with you? I started crying. I started thinking, what did I do wrong? I was angry. I was Mm -hmm. frustrated because I didn't have answers and I'm an analytical person. So I wanted to be able to put together pieces so I could start to plan. I'm like, I got two whole days here where I can't do anything. But I did what I needed to do, and that was work through those emotions. Every emotion possible, I probably felt it. I felt like my future was slipping between my fingers, (laughs) climbing the corporate ladder, starting a family. All those things were just, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to live. But I wasn't focused on dying either. I was focused on, okay, let me work through these emotions so that they don't handicap me. I need to be able to think clearly. I need to be able to strategize and figure out what I need to do to get my mind around this thing. Mm. And it was a long weekend. I, I tell you, I didn't leave the house, but I cried a lot. I talked to God a lot. I just journaled a lot. I thought about what I wanted in living after cancer. But I also thought about what if I die? How do I want that to be? Sure. What am I leaving behind something good? (laughs) How will people remember me? You're going through a lot of these what if scenarios, it sounds like this, all Mm -hmm. the very crazy places your mind goes with how it impacts other people, but also how it impacts you, how you're going to feel, how what's going to be like all that kind of thing. And that's good because you got to go through that kind of thing in order to start to navigate what's next. You can't, in my opinion, you can't really navigate what's next until you at least have some idea of the options out there or what is possible. So you have to deal with some of the reality. So what brought you, what happened? I am now curious, Talia, what happened after the weekend? Wait, did you have to go back to work on Monday or what was the situation for you? So that weekend, I worked through all those emotions and I prayed. I woke up Monday morning and I had this will inside of me that, that God put there. I knew what to do. 
I woke up a different person. I woke up to Leah the advocate. So I called into my job. I said that I would be in late. I called the cancer center. I started getting tests and things like that set up because they have to do staging to determine what kind of treatment will, will be best for you. I got connected with an oncologist and I started the ball rolling for that whole process. A few days later, I actually met with my oncologist and I looked him in his face and I said, I am new to cancer. I don't know very much about it other than what I've seen on TV. And what they normally show is someone who's frail walking down a hospital corridor, pushing an IV pole. I don't want to be that person. So I need for us to work together. I am going to be a participant in my care. We, I would like for us to be partners. I'm going to ask a lot of questions <laughs> and I'm going to decide on how I want this to look for me. But I want your honesty throughout this whole process. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about what my options are. And that very first day I came with my notebook and pen. That's for me asking God, what should I do? Because again, I never had to face anything like cancer. The sickest yeah. I had ever been was the flu. So mm. I wasn't a savvy healthcare consumer. But because a year prior, I just went along with what that doctor said. Yeah. And I didn't. That was your only real experience at that point, wasn't it? Before you went with your mom's doctor. Yeah. Which kind of gives us an indication that even among the medical world, there's options there, isn't there? That we, and this is part of what you do with your advocacy now. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so because I showed up for myself that first day, and every time I had an appointment with my oncologist, I showed up with my pen and my notebook, and I asked questions, and I, <laughs> I treated my appointments Prior to those appointments, I treated it like I was studying for an exam. Yeah. What do I need to know to move, to make my next best move? Wow. What do I need to consider? How will this affect my life? So you bugged the docs, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I know I hear this from docs sometimes. I got some doctors who are friends and they, they love a lot of their patients who are good questions askers. And they sometimes are annoyed with some of them who really are. And I don't know where you stood on that. I'm just saying that it's possible that you were one of those, one of those folks, but it's to your credit, Talia, because it's your body and your health, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And thankfully my doctor, he was like, I respect that. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm on board. And that one time did we have a clash or an argument And that one time did I feel like he was not telling me the truth. And that helped me tremendously. Mm. Here's what I'm hearing here right now, Talia, about this stage of your experience with cancer. When people are shocked, they have to have time to take a breath. It literally, sometimes people use the phrase, it knocked the wind out of me, it knocked the breath out of me. And that almost is literally too true. It was for me, at least, take the breath out of you. So you got to have time to breathe. And that two days sound like you're breathing time. And then you got to get back at it. So you used words that on Monday morning, you were ready to go and being an advocate and asking questions in partnership with your doctors, with being prepared, you showed up. I love that term you use. I showed up. 
you were present. You weren't just going along for the ride. That tells me something that I really advocate, and that's the word action. You got to take action. Tell me then how your actions then led to whatever came next for you. Mm -hmm. My actions led to me really understanding what was going to take place throughout this whole treatment phase. It really led me to forming good relationships with my healthcare team. It really, I think, also led my healthcare team to be more invested in a sense in not only my survival, but their success in saying, hey, this is a young woman who came in here, stage three, mind you, because oh it's a whole year later, Okay, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the survival rate of Hodgkin's lymphoma is pretty good. And they had a pretty standard treatment of care for someone at my age in that stage. But it led to me forming good relationships, getting through the cancer treatment fairly well. They were actually shocked. And it just helped me continue to learn. I, I looked at this thing called cancer as, I won't even say a challenge, but as a project, mm -hmm. as a course. <laughs> because I feel like in order for me to Another way for me to survive it was to really learn about it and understand how it worked. Mm -hmm. The other thing that came out of it was just seeing all the different people that go through this. Mm, yeah. None of them were my age. Where were they? None of them at the cancer center were really my race. I didn't see any other black people in the infusion room really? when I would go. How interesting. Yeah. So it really left me with a lot of other questions. Yeah. Hey, my friend, I just wanted to share with you that uh, here on Cancer and Comedy, we have a special gift for you that's going to help you if you're impacted uh, by cancer in your life and you want to do something about it. It's, it's our free course. We call it the HHH or Triple H course, which stands for Healing Through Hope and Humor. It helps you to develop your cancer coping credo, a statement that's going to help you get, get through that. It's a free course. just takes you. It's a five short sessions. It's all audio. You can get that free course at cancerandcomedy.com slash free. That's interesting because that means it took you to some pathways that are all, were not only health related, but they were societal related. They were race relations related. They were social, social economically related. You've had some things, some learning. You had a lot of learning to do and quickly. So that's the intellectual kind of part of this. And that's a good thing too. But there's also, there's a spiritual emotional aspect of this. It's a part of your process too. So tell me a little bit to lay about what kind of a spiritual journey you went through this time. Was this a challenge to your faith? Did it strengthen it? It actually strengthened my faith because I knew early on that this wasn't something that I could do alone and with my own understanding, some strength from somewhere else, which would be God. Mm -hmm. I knew that God had his hand on me, that 
For some reason, I just knew it wasn't my time. Even though when I first heard it, I thought about the possibility of dying. But that's not what drove me. That's not where I, God must be trying to tell me something. Not that God would do this to me. Okay. What's in this? What good is in this for me? Mm-hmm. And so that's a thought that I kept in the back of my mind throughout my whole cancer journey was like, what's going to be different? What mm-hmm. must be different? I was on six months of disability. So during that time, I had time to really just think about other areas of my life that may need healing too. And that there were areas, work, for example, extremely stressed out, extremely overworked, mm-hmm. just in negative, toxic environments, relationships where I thought people were my friends, but they really weren't. So there were a lot of different areas of my life that I evaluated and worked on healing as well. And I don't think that would have been possible, Brad, without praying for clarity, Yes, praying for what else needs to change? Where do I need to get better? And because I, in a sense, was forced to sit still, mm, yeah. what else is there to do other than look inward and upward? And once those two things connected, I knew I was going to be on a good path if I just stayed focused on those yeah. things. What has cancer done to you, which is the, the physical damage and so on, but also what has cancer done for you? And it sounds like in this case, you've had some a deeper walk spiritually, and you've had this intellectual journey as well. So let's go to the emotional part of it, about family, friends who were supportive, or maybe people who helped to lighten the load a little bit. Uh, tell me about that aspect of things. Oh, yes. My mom and brother were instrumental in helping me to get through it. My mom wouldn't get off of work come with me to chemo and we would schedule it on a particular day so that she could get time off from work, stay with me for a couple of days and then go back and get ready for work the next week. And so my mom did that. I had chemo for six months. Wow. She did that for six months. She would prepare my, one of my favorite dishes, which is red beans and rice. Okay, good. Yeah. She would pray for me. She would tell me, it's going to be okay, baby girl. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> she, did the, you know? she, she did the mama thing, didn't she? She did the mama thing, yes. Yeah. And then my brother, he would come over, spend time with me. Even when I wasn't feeling well, he would just sit there and crack jokes and mm-hmm. we'd watch something on TV or whatever. Yeah. Well, tell me about a lighter moment with your brother or with your mother or someone else that was able to lighten the load a little bit, maybe even a humorous moment or something that it did or said that kind of was, I call them uplifting moments. One moment that really lifted my spirits. And I shared this with you on my show. Yes. I used to seek out comedy and especially when I was home by myself and I would just put in, I would watch Richard Pryor Yeah, and just his mannerisms and how he would act would just crack me up. But then there was also a show called Will and Grace. Oh, yeah, of I course. Had, <laughs> yeah. I had the DVD for that. And so I would watch that and just crack up. 
But really just sitting back with like my mom or my brother and just reflecting on things in the past, good times. So laughing at those things, all of those things brought me joy and humor. Some of those fun, silly family moments that came. Let's talk to Leah for a little bit now about you had to give back to others. And you have a podcast, you have a book, you are a doula, you do advocacy work. What led to that, doing all these things for others? And tell us about some of the things that you do. The things that I had to learn, that quick learning curve that I had to experience and endure, that led me to think. And I'm sure other people are feeling this way as well. Oh boy, there's a lot to learn. I'm overwhelmed. All those things, There, there's a gap that uh, people may not know about between the medical and emotional sides of cancer. Yes. And that emotional side is not well taken care of when someone is being treated for cancer. That was my main focus as well, is making sure that people got what they needed emotionally. So you're looking to close the gap by what you do. I'm looking to close the gap. Okay. Yeah. And after my treatment was done, I went back to work. But of course, I'm a different person now. It just didn't feel right. I'm like, oh, I don't really enjoy this anymore. But I'm still thinking about all the other people who might be going through cancer and they just feel lost. They don't have a good oncologist and they don't know where to turn. And so that desire to help people and to help bridge the gap between the medical and emotional sides of cancer, that planted a seed that maybe this is my purpose. I knew my purpose was to help. I just didn't know how. I knew that God brought me through cancer, but for what reason? This is my purpose. This is why I went through this. This is what I'm supposed to do. As a cancer doula, what I do is I support individuals and families that have been diagnosed with cancer. I help them to mindfully navigate cancer and the healthcare system so that they can get on the other side of cancer and reclaim their lives. And that's what it's all about is letting people know that because you get a diagnosis, it doesn't mean you're going to die. Focus on what reasons you have to live. Use that as your motivation to keep going. And I'm here to help you get through it. Let's go with that for a second, mm-hmm. Talia. Mm-hmm. What do you go through in an initial conversation to help map out how you're going to navigate cancer with them? People find me via word of mouth or Google okay. search where they share their diagnosis, when they were diagnosed, what they're currently doing, if anything. And we start there. Okay. During that initial conversation, we're talking about what challenges are you facing? What kind of support do you have? And what do you think you need right now? Once they share that with me, I share with them how I can support them and what we can plan on doing based on what they've shared with me, how I can help them walk through the process. How that's worked with a person or a family that you've worked with about how you've been able to navigate things and how it, a result that came about of it. Absolutely. So a woman reached out on behalf of her mother. Her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and they really didn't know what to do either. They felt like the current doctor that she had just wasn't very receptive, wasn't very personable and could care less about answering their questions. So they reached out to me and they shared with me their frustrations, share with me what they were not getting. 
And based on that conversation, I said, this is how I can help you. Here are some strategies to try to form a number one, form a better relationship with your doctor. Here are some questions that you may want to ask. See how that goes. Now, if you still don't feel like this is a good fit, let's work on getting a sec- another doctor or a second okay. opinion. Okay. And so we worked on doing that. Which can be okay. an intimidating process in and of itself for a mm-hmm. lot of folks. Yeah, absolutely. Because they don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. And they're not sure, especially if someone's already started treatment, they're like, I don't know what this is going to look like now if I start with a new doctor. Mm-hmm. And so then what I did is, okay, here's a process of getting a second opinion. Let's start to look for these doctors. Let's start to ask these doctors questions while you're trying to see if this relationship with your current doctor can be salvaged. So doing those things in parallel to try to minimize any loss of time because time is important. And so they ultimately decided that, no, we don't want to stay with this doctor. And so again, we, I gave them questions to ask their doctor to this new doctor that they were seeking out, gave them things to consider to make sure it was a good fit for them. So they went with this new doctor. So the next phase, now that she got this new doctor, she feels pretty good. They're answering her questions. She's getting what she needs to a certain extent. Now she's trying, it's time, let's get you prepared for the surgery. Here are questions you need to ask. Here is information about how women in the past have prepared for mastectomy. Here are things you need to look out for. Here are some resources and some tools or products that you may want to look into. For example, drains. She didn't even know that she would need drains after surgery. Mm. So getting her connected with those things. So this was informative, informationally and educationally, I guess we might say, but also the emotional support, but also you're also giving them kind of a template, as it were, for the questions to ask and this type of thing. Where do these questions come from? Your own experience or just your research? Do it sound like you worked out a kind of a step-by-step process here? Yes, a step-by-step process. And to answer your question, it was both from my own experience and what has been proven to help me, but then also research. Because mind you, I didn't have breast cancer, but I know a lot of women and even men who have. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of information about what to ask, what to consider when having breast cancer surgery. But People, they don't have the time. They don't feel well. So that is why I do what I do also is to lighten that load for those people so they don't have to worry about all this. They can just focus on healing. Yeah. You've accessed that information and you've repackaged it in such a way through step-by-step process of coaching or however you work it out. And has it been successful? It's been successful. Yes. This particular woman, she has since finished radiation. And prior to her radiation, she reached out and said, Talia, can you help me get prepared? I'm really nervous. I don't know what to expect. They really haven't told me a whole lot. So I shared with her what that radiation process looks like, what they're going to do to get you prepped for radiation. And so by giving her those tools and that information, that helped to reduce her anxiety, which of course was caused by uncertainty. Yeah. Information is power. Information Mm -hmm. is alleviates uh, that 
attention. And so what a great service. Uh, What a great service. Every day I wake up and I'm excited about what I, whatever it is I get to do today. And Brad, I've met so many amazing people like you. So that's another way that it feeds my soul. Honestly, it opened up my world to all different kinds of people. And it sounds like an aspect of this for you. And let's just say a word about this is your podcast, your book, your speaking, your advocacy beyond your practice, you have your doula practice. Sure. So I'll start with the podcast. That actually is a spinoff of my business. So my podcast is a way for me to give back and say, hey, here's another way where you can get information, Mm -hmm. you can connect with other people, and you can do it whenever it's convenient for you. There's a book that I'm a contributing author to. It's called I Survived Cancer, and Here's How I Did It. That is another way to give back to people by sharing inspiring stories. One of them happens to be mine, and there's, I think, 34, 35 other people involved as well. Showing people and telling people that, hey, even though you may be looking cancer in the face right now, but just hang on, there's hope, hang on to hope, hang on to our stories, and you will get through on the other side and see that, yeah, there's still life. I know you've been a contributed part of a conversation called Love Letters. Can you say a word about that? Yes. So Love Letters to Our Bodies is a workshop that was started by Moyo Institute. They had learned that Black or African-American women really suffer from cancer. We die at a higher rate of, of breast cancer. We're diagnosed at later stages. Support and honor Black women who have gone through breast cancer or any kind of cancer. This project was done to allow us to write love letters to our bodies. And unfortunately, due to societal factors and beliefs, a lot of times our our bodies are viewed in negative ways for Black women, but really women in general. Mm -hmm. And so this was a way for a bunch of us to get together, to learn about different healing modalities, to, to meditate together, to share our cancer experiences together, and write these love letters to our body. And all of our love letters have been compiled into a book. Let's just bring this conversation around with the love letter in a sense that you have given to our audience to bring a smile to their face. But I would like for you to be specific from a Matalea as we bring our conversation to a close. This all started with you as a person being impacted by cancer, getting that shocking phone call and taking a, took your breath away. And what am I going to do now? That's where we started our conversation, right? That's right. And how we also talked a little bit about how walking the nature put a smile on your face. Let's bring this around to that. There's a woman out there, particular woman, because I think that's who your target audience primarily is who has got a frown on her face and has had some bad news. It might be health-related, it might be breast cancer, it could be something else, but let's focus on that, that she's in that take-your-breath-away stage. She's in that shock stage. What is some word of encouragement that might even put a smile on her face that might be some word of encouragement out of your experience and what you can offer that might uh, speak into the life of that woman who's right now thinking, my body has betrayed me or whatever she's thinking? First of all, pause give yourself grace and remind yourself that you've been through hard things before. Tap into what you used before to get through those other tough times. Pray about it. Think about the good things in your life. 
use those things for motivation. And just remember that this bad news, it won't last forever. And ask God to give you direction, ask him to give you strength, but then also reach out to people that you trust and look within, always look within and don't give up. Just don't give up. Focus on the reasons that you have to keep going. And it could it, it can be maybe your children. It can be something you have yet to do in this world. Focus on those things. But this is a moment in time, a moment in your life. I can tell you that when I thought, <laughs> when I got those words, you have cancer. Now that I look back 12 years later, that was a small fraction of my life so far. And so many good things have happened. So just remember that it's a moment in your life. It's not your entire life and it doesn't define you, whatever that is. It's a moment in your life and don't give up. What a mm -hmm. profound and poignant way to close our conversation. And I thank you. And if you wanna hear more of this, the wonderful soothing voice here. I just got to say that there's an incredible soothing voice of Talia, of Talia Dendy. You just really need to check out her podcast, Navigating Cancer Together is her podcast. And you can find her at, at her website on the other side dot life. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to have Talia Dendy as our guest today on Cancer and Comedy. Wow, that was absolutely incredible. Um, Talia had such great information. And there were several things that, that I really loved hearing about. One of the things that she talked about was your journey with cancer is just a moment in time when you're looking at your entire life. And I really love that because we get so focused on it that we think only thing. And you know, so she says, no, just remember, it's just a small part of, of what we're doing. But she really does emphasize the fact that it is a process and, and there are certain things that you, sh that you should be doing. And she helps people through that. I really love that. And, and so she started a business to do this, to be able to help those who are dealing with a cancer journey kind of navigate it and, and make sure that all the steps are covered, that they get all the information. I think that's one of the other things that she really talked a lot about was making sure you know what the heck is going on and what they mean when they're using some of their medical speak terms. I mean, she helps people get through that process and, and she's kind of your partner in it. You know, she says she's a doula, but I saw it more as she's your partner. I hadn't really thought about it that way too much, but partner not only is connected to you socially and emotionally and those, but helps you to accomplish your goal. The name of her podcast is Navigating Cancer Together. Her website is theotherside.life. So the idea is to, you start off your initial diagnosis, your initial situation, but you want to get to a better place. Like we uh, talk about here in our podcast, turning the grim into a grin. We want to get to the grins. We want to have the celebration of mm -hmm. life, but it's more than just a companionship along the way, you know, right. we can, you know, we have people that we have an emotional resonance with who we can kind of uh, vent with or share emotionally with, but not everybody can help us with the next steps. If we were going to take a, navigate a trip together, if, you know, you live in Atlanta, I live in, in Indianapolis, if we were going to travel, 
you know, to some destination, have a lot of fun talking along the way, but we need to have a map and a guide and a plan to get, you know, and to get to the destination, Mm -hmm. say it's Orlando or whatever it it would be. We can enjoy one another's friendship and fellowship, but you got to drive the car. You got to navigate the process. You got to you got to plan financially and all that other things. The same thing medically, you got to deal with the doctors and the nurses and the medical system and insurance, family relationships mm-hmm. and other things here. And if I'm understanding Talia right from our conversation, she helps people right. to do all those things, mm-hmm. not just the emotional, spiritual stuff, but all the practical, pragmatic matters. I think that's a need. I, I love it. Like we said, you know, when you hear you have cancer, your brain just kind of shuts off and, and yes. you don't realize okay, what are the things that I need to to do? Obviously, you need to have researched it. You need to know what your insurance is going to cover, time off from work, all of those various things. But you also need to know, do you need your will updated? Do you have your medical power of attorney? Even if your diagnosis is pretty simple and pretty straightforward, I always think those are good things to have because you never know. You know, there's so much information out. And so the key is to find the, the right and information that is also valid um, because there's a lot of things out there that might not be something that, that you want to get into. You know, there's there's also so much great information that you you need to be able to sort through it. And that's where Talea helps with that. Well, it helps us to have someone who is researched with a clear mm-hmm. mind guide you in this process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been blessed, I will say, to be around people on uh, a number of occasions who uh, families where they've lost a loved one, where I've been as a pastor, I've been with people when they somebody passed away. And and I can just tell you the people who I've been around with who passed away that when their families had done some pre-planning on a funeral, it helps so much compared to those people who are suddenly dealing with not only the crisis of the emotional moment, but the practicalities, mm-hmm. financial and insurance. Right. And I also loved how Talia touches on a couple basically underserved uh, groups of people who I th- uh, she is a part of a workshop regarding uh, black women with cancer called Love Letters to Our Bodies. No, that's kind of a situation with uh, women overall and then black women in particular. Yeah, we, we need to expand the diversity programs, the services, things like that that are offered. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the underserved communities aren't even getting their diagnosis. Um, you right. know, and and uh, Talia mentioned the fact that when she first had an issue, it was a year before somebody actually figured out what the heck was going on. I think so many times, you know, if you look at things, uh, you know, like support programs, things like that, you're going to see somebody like me. You're going to see a woman. You're going to see a woman who is white, fairly well educated, I'd like to hope, you know, and and things like that. And, And we forget that that's actually a pretty small portion of uh, the the people who potentially could get cancer. So we do need to make sure that those offerings are expanded to help everyone. And she's involved with that. And she also mentioned mm-hmm. something that I had to think about it, but I agree with her. She said that the offerings uh, from men, uh, you know, I deal with prostate mm-hmm. cancer, just from men, the other men-only diseases, uh, idiosyncrasies, if you will, right. or uh, the ways that men handle 
uh, grief or handle drama that is not being addressed. Right. And she, she and I talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit, and that gave me some food for thought. Don't want to deal with it. <laughs> Men in general often don't have annual checkups and, and things like that. And I think so many times the information is geared towards, say, their spouse. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and so because the woman is going to help them through this process. Well, that may or may not work. Talia is a fascinating force to be reckoned with, don't you think? Definitely. And I think people should definitely go and check out her website. And we will put uh, connections to her website on the other side dot life at, uh, at our website, cancerandcomedy.com. Right. So now it's time for our cancer and comedy segment, Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day. Albert Einstein. You know the name. Always considered one of the most brilliant, smartest scientists people who ever lived. Why so? Because of something called the theory of relativity, which made him world famous. Now, he composed this in as a young man in the late 40s, early 50s. He became well known on the speaking circuit. But this is way before tele, you know, this was before television and before any social media, anything like that, of course. So although he was well known, it was not like he was uh, in, you know, on your cell phone every day and things like things like that. He really spoke mainly at the college and universities around the country. But Einstein didn't drive. And so he depended on a chauffeur to take him to his speaking engagements all around the country. Interestingly enough, the chauffeur bore a striking resemblance to Einstein. You know, he had the long flowing gray hair and the big, you know, the big uh, mustache, and the big bushy eyebrows. But he was with uh, the chauffeur was with Einstein all the time for years at a time. So after a while, the chauffeur commented, uh, Mr. Einstein, I have, you know, he heard his speech over and over again, pretty much the same speech, his lecture. He said, Mr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, I have heard your lecture so many times. Professor Einstein, you know, I could probably deliver it for you. Really? (laughs) I laughed Einstein. Well, we're going to Yale University in a couple weeks. Got an idea. Let's test your theory of relatively of relativity there. And sure enough, when they got to Yale, Einstein and the chauffeur switched places. Einstein put on the chauffeur's uniform and cap and so on, and the chauffeur put on Einstein's well-known twill suit, and he went out on the stage in this lecture hall full of brilliant Yale students and professors, and he delivered a perfect rendition of Einstein's standard lecture. While Einstein gleefully sat uh, off stage in the back of the in the or off stage, uh, seeing what was going on, wearing the chauffeur's uniform. But just as the driver, the chauffeur driver, was getting ready to leave the podium and to take his seat, a kind of a 
smart alecky snotty graduate student uh, stood up, raised his hand, and shouted out, and he kind of suspected what was going on. They were feared there was a fear of being found out. And he asked this rather complicated question about, you know, antimatter formation and other things regarding physics, and he was hoping to trip up Einstein, or perhaps he'd sniffed out that this was an imposter. What the graduate student didn't bargain on was the wit of the chauffeur. Without missing a beat, the chauffeur replied, Sir, the answer to that question is simple. So simple, in fact, that I will let my chauffeur come up and answer it for me. Lifters, let's now turn to Dr. Brad's Faith It or Break It segment. In our Faith It or Break It segment, I want to speak to you about two pillars to get you through your cancer journey to the other side. In the Bible, there was a guy named Moses who was in Egypt, and there was a bad dude named Pharaoh who really wanted to keep in slavery the Jewish people there in Egypt. And Moses led him out of Egypt through a series of events. And the Pharaoh let the people go initially, but then he decided that he didn't really like the idea of all his slave labor going away. So he sent his army out to uh, gather them all up and bring them back. And they're out in the middle of the desert on their way to what they call the promised land, the other side, away from slavery to their new life. They call the promised land. Now, when they get there, they had to get through a desert and they had to cross this gigantic sea, the Red Sea. It was a huge, huge undertaking, ominous in every way. But Moses led them out there into the desert. Then word came that Pharaoh was going to send his soldiers out to get them. And two things happened that I want to share with you. It says in the Bible in Exodus 13 that there were two pillars which led the way for Moses to protect him from Pharaoh's army and to get him through to their passageway towards the Red Sea. It says there was two pillars, a pillar of clouds, of a cloud that guided them and protected them during the daylight, and a pillar of fire which illuminated things during the night. Pillar of cloud, which protected them and confused the Pharaoh's army, and the pillar of fire, which helped guide them. To me, these are two pillars that you can use in your life. There's the pillar of protection and to help us to deal what is behind you with that which threatens you. That's your disease. That's your cancer. That's the things in your life that are oppressing you and want to crush you. I want to catch up with you and destroy you. And if you think about the protections in your life, whether it's a spiritual thing or people in your life or good memories, that can protect you from that. And it also talks in Exodus 13 about the pillar of fire, which helped to illuminate things and lead the way. So to me, that's the, the pillar of a pathway towards home and towards safety. That's where you want to go in your cancer journey. You want to be at a place of peace in your journey, whether it's restored health or a new life or some restored relationship. You want to have a place of peace 
just like the uh, the Israelites were looking for their promised land. You need to uh, have the opportunity to go for your promised life. Two pillars, the pillar of the cloud to protect you and the pillar of fire to lead you. Can't help but think about, when I think about that which you want to be protected from and that which leads you to your safety, I can't help but think about my my granddaughter who turned six very soon. And she is a spitting image of her of her mother, my daughter, when she was about six years old. And when my daughter was six years old, we went to a state park, just she and I. I was a single dad at the time. And uh, I went to this cave, which I knew about. And I'd been through this cave many times as a youngster myself, and I was in my 30s at the time. But as a 12, 13-year-old, I'd been through this cave many times. And it was a cave that opened up large on one end, and you'd go out through the cave a couple hundred yards or so and come out through another opening on the other end. And I got to be so good at going through this cave, I could do it in the dark. And I said to my little daughter, let's go through this cave. I had a flashlight with me, but I thought I knew my way very well. What I didn't realize going through the cave is that I was not the same size human being that I was uh, when I was 12 years old. The last time I went through it, I was about 30 or 32. I'd grown and I was kind of a large guy. And then it's squeezing through these tight openings. And my little six-year-old daughter could squeeze through easily with the flashlight. We could see what was going on. But there were several tight moments when I had to really suck at my gut to get through them. It was it's kind of funny in a way, but it wasn't so funny because there were several times when it, when my little daughter was saying, Daddy, don't get stuck. And I didn't want to get stuck either. But then we heard something behind us, which kind of motivated me. This was a kind of a popular state park in there. It seemed like there was a noise behind me. It was squealing of girls. And when it turned out later to be, I found it, it was a troop or a group of uh, about a dozen or so Girl Scouts who were in the cave and they were girls in the about 11, 12 years old. And they were doing what, you know, middle school age girls do, squealing and screaming. And that was driving me crazy, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I said, I got to get out of here. And as we we're trying to push our way through the cave, suddenly I dropped the flashlight on the ground and it, batteries knocked or something and it went dark for a minute. And this really scared my daughter and me too a little bit. It was dark completely dark as it is in a cave, reached down and I got the flashlight. Finally found it, scratched around, found the flashlight. We made our way through the cave with the screaming of these Girl Scouts behind us. And finally, 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 with the, my little flashlight leading the way, and finally we saw the little beam of light from the opening on the other side of the cave. And we got out to the other side. We were motivated by the pressure of the situation, the squeeze of the cave, we were motivated by the squealing and screaming of the girls behind us, the Girl Scouts behind us, and we were motivated to push forward to get to the other side, to the light. Never will forget that scene going through that cave, what was motivating us to escape, and what was our present reality, and what was motivating us to get through to the other side. That's what I want you to do, my friend, is to be motivated to kind of deal with your present reality, the pillar of the cloud to protect you from what is happening to you, to help you to deal with it, to cope with it, and to look with hope towards what's on the other side. Look for that ray of light. Look for that present, that thing that you can look forward to to get you to the other side. That is the pillar of protection in your life from what is 
you know, threatening you and the pillar of the pathway of the light that you want to get through. I think you know how this goes. It's about choosing whether you're going to have, you know, to break it or whether you're going to make it. So that's our faith it or break it segment. A high value we have here at Cancer and Comedy is to listen to you, our listeners. We'd love to hear your story. You can leave us a voice message at cancerandcomedy.com slash voice message and leave us your uplifting story of your cancer impacted journey. A lot like our upcoming guest Kim Hamer did when she left us this story about a practical means to supporting her family who was impacted by cancer. Um, some other things that people did. One of the most helpful things that pe- when someone did for us was they put a cooler by the front door. And this was the second time my husband got cancer. Okay. And it was so helpful because it relieved me from the need to answer the door. And sometimes I was in the mood and Art was in the mood for company. And sometimes we weren't. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people show up with a meal and they want to, you know, they want to connect and they say, how are you? And then I would feel the pressure because they just bought me a meal. I would feel the pressure that I need to respond. Right. I feel like they just it's the law of reciprocity. You just gave me something. I need to respond in kind. And I don't want to respond. I'm tired. I've had a really long day. We just got bad news from the doctor, whatever it is. And so that cooler by the front door allowed me and art the option of responding. And after he died, it allowed me the option of responding. So if I knew Emil was being dropped off, I didn't necessarily have to answer the door. And that was a really great thing. Well, Lifter Uppers, it's time to wind down this episode of Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We like to call folks like you who follow Cancer and Comedy Lifter Uppers, or Lifters for short, because Cancer and Comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt with healing through hope and humor. You can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at Cancer and Comedy dot com slash voice message and keep up with everything cancer and comedy through our cancer and comedy chronicles newsletter you can sign up at newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com well that's it for now please join us next time on cancer and comedy and if you like what you hear please pass this podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin for dr brad miller i'm deb career reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com, where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.